Welcome back. Good morning, everybody. It's a football Friday. Scott Prather hanging out with you here. Gus Cattengale hanging out with us there in the Crescent City. My friend, um, thanks for waking up early with us, Gus. And I, you know, I don't know how many of our listeners know, but uh, you have been working remotely this week as you uh, you tested positive last week for the coronavirus. Um, you know, I wasn't sure how you'd be feeling come Friday. And, you know, I it wouldn't have. Obviously, your your appearance on this show is not Im- that important. What's important is your health. Uh, how are you feeling, man? How how have things been for you throughout the last seven days? Um. Well, <laughs> it's been interesting to say the least. Um. You know, I, I guess obviously I, I've looked at this almost um, twofold in that obviously you look at it as, as somebody that you know goes through something like this, but at the same time, um, I, I think you and I are. You know, kind of like journalists, reporters, sort of things. We've you know been watching the news for months and whatever, and just you know, it, it, it's it's something you read, it's something you hear, it's something you know. I mean, we've all known probably somebody, some way, shape, or form that had it. Neighbor across the street had it, and I think the one thing that um, I've gathered with all of this is you, you do have a you know, I, I would say. Symptoms that yes, a lot of people different share, but it affects kind of people differently. And um, yeah, I, I, like I said, that's been the, the the weirdest thing ever. I know you and I have been texting uh, since I found out I had it last week, and um, it, it's scary. You know, I guess when, when you when you hear that you do have it because you do everything that um, you try to do to, to make sure you don't get it from um, wearing masks to washing your hands to wearing gloves if you have to to being careful like that and. Um, you know, my case was a situation where it had nothing to actually do with me. Um, there was somebody close to me that didn't exactly probably do what they should have and didn't realize symptoms um, and, you know, kind of brought people into contact they probably shouldn't have, to be honest with you. So, because um, all of a sudden, it's not even about me. Like, I didn't even think about me, but, you know, kids out of school two weeks, wife's out of school two weeks, my mom and dad had watched my kid had to go get tested there and there. Late 60s, early 70s, that's diabetic, that's asthmatic. You know, I I thought I'd be able to, if I ever caught it, um, handle it. I mean, I tend to. I know you can't tell with pictures, Scott, but I, I do go to the gym. I like to walk, you know, whether it's with Einstein in the morning and evenings. Uh, and we still do. And, and I ride my bike and I try to stay healthy. And I think it's why I've, um, I've had minimal amount of symptoms. But... I think that's the thing that I've learned from all this. It just hits you that it's not even really about you. All of a sudden, you just start going, "Oh my gosh!" You know, how does it affect everything else? So it's right. been it's been eye opening, dude. I mean, uh, that's the, the best way I can sort of put it. You know, that's wild, man. Well, look, stay uh, get, keep keep active, stay healthy, and um, you know, hang in there, man. Certainly appreciate. Well, you coming I, I, this I do want to say one thing. The, the the worst part of all of this is as I I, I said this to you yesterday. <laughs> I, I lost my sense of taste and smell yesterday. My, I didn't know. I, I've been hearing that this happens. I'm like, you know what? I've had no fever. Um, all I did was have like some headaches, and um, I've been pretty. I, I, other than that, like, I'm like, all right, you know. I mean, I can, it's, it's like a sinus infection. Ears pop. Um, occasionally, you get a cough. I'm like, okay, good. I'm doing well, and. You know, Scott, I, I'm eating a piece of crackling, and I'm like, okay, which maybe, maybe just didn't get the super salty kind or something, you know? Um, and 
Then yesterday in the afternoon, I'm like, wait a minute. I thought my wife maybe just didn't season some tuna for lunch that, you know, she's been making for me. And I'm like, and, um, and then I just start grabbing anything I can find around me. And all I know is when you can open up a beer can or open up the bottle to a scotch and you can't smell it and much less taste it, it is the weirdest, oddest thing ever. That's I mean, wild. And you feel it. You, there's just the face in your mouth. And you are smelling it. it. There's nothing there. I don't know how to describe it. That's been probably the weirdest thing. It, it, not it, smell or taste. Like, it, and I should look. It's not funny. It's not. There's nothing funny about it. It sucks. <laughs> but the reason I chuckle is because I happened to send you recently. Yeah. In the last week, like overnight, it's some like a just big bag of delicious fresh cracklings from Borks, and you, uh, and, and and I was like, man, I hope you ate all your cracklings before you lost taste. And you're like, I didn't finish every one of them yet, so there was a little bit of no. disappointment there. I mean, at this point, you don't you don't listen. You'd be dumb to eat cracklings if you can't taste or even smell it. I mean, that's if you can't taste or smell something, that's when you just gotta just you gotta you know just chow down on some vegetables and other stuff you typically don't yeah. eat that's healthy. But, yeah, I, it, but here's the thing. I do. I, I pretty much eat everything else. I don't have like a cauliflower, I guess would be the one thing. I always yell at my wife. I always know when I come in, I'm like, man, you need cauliflower. To me, it smells like feet. It's terrible. I can't can't stand it. And um, so you, she was all grinning yesterday. She's like, oh, I can go eat my Brussels sprouts and cauliflower. I was Bring like, it. those two things. Because I, I normally, Scott, I think I told you this last night, I have, like, the nose of a bloodhound, dude. I can, like, smell. And like I said, it just, I didn't even think about it. I, I mean, I'm walking yesterday, um, and I'm watching Carver play outside front, so I'm just kind of keeping an eye on him. And, and I didn't even hit me until my wife goes, you know, you didn't smell the grass. I'm like, what are you talking about? I said, my neighbor David across the street is cutting the grass. And normally, you're right. Like, that's a smell that you can smell. And I'm like... No way! And I just started going around the house grabbing things to see what I couldn't couldn't smell. Gus Cagnell, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent. We'll uh, hope hope that uh, hope that heals up soon, man. Um, speaking of healing up soon, Saints fans are open that Michael Thomas's ankle can heal up soon. I have a few thoughts on it. One, in not having your typical IR this year, you can read more into things, right? Michael Thomas, there were early reports the Saints broached the topic with him. Hey, what about IR? Because this year you can come off after three weeks. And he didn't want to do it. And now here we are. It's Friday. It's game week. They play Monday. But he's not on IR. So even if he doesn't play Monday, they're they're not expecting this to linger for a long time. Uh, Sean Payton, you know, giving his death stares to, I guess, his uh, speakerphone whenever he's doing these uh, conference mm-hmm. calls via Zoom, uh, and and he gets asked about injuries, and he, you know, goes off on Cat Terrell, and maybe it was like that in Cincinnati, but just very, very, uh, a very typical Sean Payton press conference, if you ask me. Um, now, Adam Schefter reports this morning, uh, and Diana Rossini. Now, these are national reporters, not local. So you know somebody up top, Sean Payton, probably you know mm-hmm. feeding them, wetting these guys' beaks a little bit, and they're reporting that Thomas, even though he didn't practice yesterday, quote felt fantastic, according to his source, and there's a little glimmer of hope. Little he can play Monday night. It's unlikely, but the Saints were pleased and surprised at his progress. Uh, I feel like this is all just a media marketing game. Um, I don't think he's going to play Monday, Gus. I think you want to prop up your superstar player. 
Obviously, he's tough. You get that out there. It gets spun as positive. And you hope that maybe, just maybe, the Las Vegas Raiders will, you know, still still game plan for him a little bit in practice and have to use a little bit of practice time against him. I think that's all that is. I would be very surprised if he is playing on Monday night. Yeah, and look, and I think that's been the biggest complaints around here from quote-unquote the Saints beat. And, you know, and look, and Catherine said it yesterday. She's like, look, I'm just doing my job. Deshaun says I'm just doing mine. Um, that's just his philosophy, you know? I mean, he's going to be that guy that doesn't believe that he needs to give um, people injury information. Um, he believes everything's a competitive advantage or disadvantage. Um, I think it goes to how he prepares, and we talked about it on our show. I thought, honestly, Scott, that um, COVID and who's available and who's not to him is an advantage, and it is, right? I mean, who who plays and who doesn't, who misses two weeks is a big thing and in, in, in how to have it. So I figured he would do something like the hotel or something like that. Because if you can keep your entire team healthier than another team, then you have a better shot. So um, I looked at how he views everything else, and I'm not surprised. But I, I think the, the problem that upsets, I think, a lot of people here on this beat with that is, and again, and I get this, that if you're a Saints fan, you don't care. But it does annoy and aggravate the heck out of people here that – national stories come out um, and, and and you're so crude and mean towards the local folk. Like, he's not exactly going out on Twitter or, or crushing the national people for breaking that, but if the local reporter would have broken that, I, I promise you I've seen it with my own eyes. You know, he, he'll confront you in the locker room or, or talk to you about it. Why did you release that? So, you know, again, if that makes you that upset, I gotta imagine, Scott, there's not that many people that would that would know something like that, and especially when it becomes to details or, um, you know, using certain phrases and words are probably what they're told. That's why, like you said, and the way you said it, the way you said it, um, how did it come out, and who exactly probably said it? But yeah, I mean, when you sit there and say, you know, like the words "fantastic," that's probably not a very difficult thing to go find as to um, who said that and everything. So um, I'm with you. I think that's probably one of those that we want the Raiders to sort of prep for that. I mean, look, uh, I'm sure a lot of people probably looked at it last uh, yesterday afternoon and went, uh-oh, where's, uh, where's Emmanuel Sanders? So I think because there was no Sanders, now it's not injury-related, but you wonder if that's probably part of the reason to make you sort of feel that he can or can't play. But look, regardless, man, you can feel fantastic. You can wish all you want. High ankle sprain is something that you just don't play with. Um, I remember from my days of covering on the sidelines for the Saints, you know, whether it was Deuce or you know Reggie or um, Pierre. Tom, I mean, when, when running backs get high ankle sprains, receivers get high ankle sprains, corners get high ankle sprains. Positions where you are having to stop, come down forcefully and, and quickly um, on on that. It, it's you know, it, it takes time to heal. And literally the only way that gets better is to not be on it. Um, you know, you can get your treatment in a training room. You can ride your bike, but it's, you have to stay off of it. So, um, I, look, I, 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 I said this earlier in the week, 
you remember Alvin Kamara, Scott, a year ago when he first got injured? And I said, a player like that, the inability to cut, explode, and, and really be who he is with a knee injury. Like, you sit out as long as you can. I mean, you, you, you have to wait for him to be healthy because it's not that he's not that kind of player. So a good thing with Michael Thomas is he's not a receiver that depends on speed, and he needs that sort of explosiveness. Um, he's a good route runner. I think the main reason he's such a good receiver is obviously smart and using his body very well. And more importantly, I think he does um, use his hands. So I think if you're going to give an ankle injury to a receiver, you would rather give something like that to, or you would have, you'd rather a receiver that um, probably don't rely on speed nearly as much right, as, right, as right. opposed to right. um, somebody if that makes sense. No, absolutely, and and that's something we've uh, we've talked about this week. And uh, ESPN fourteen twenty dot com. I I was on a talk sports talk radio show in Maine uh, yesterday, and I was kind of making the same point about Michael Thomas and uh, what an injury like that means to him. Uh, you know, something like that for Deontay Harris may be more concerning. Harris, you know, more involved in the offense last Sunday. Gus looked good. A huge weapon in the return game. The Saints special teams for years outside of Thomas Morstead was trash. And in the last few years has been arguably the best in the NFL. And that's why you can have a game like you had Sunday where the offense is off. Uh, Drew Brees' timing is off. You don't look great offensively. Um, but when you got a, the depth on defense that you have and you have the best special teams, you could still win a game by 11 points. Um, it, it comes back to, to money to give a bleep, man. I, I just, I, I literally say it like that because that's classic Sean. You remember two years ago, they had decent special teams. So what did he do? Got rid of them all. Remember? They brought in a whole new special teams coordinator. Um, and, and they weren't bad that year. But, um, we talked about it going into the beginning of last season that I think that Sean Payton saying there's so many teams in this division, so many teams in this conference really, um, that are good. And you know, you already hear he and Drew Brees talk about the margin of victory is so thin. But I think what he also is saying in this is um but if you can get that field position on ten, fifteen yards um, it's a difference on how you start calling your plays. The difference on how many shots you can take. I mean, I know it seems so significant. I guess a lot of times, just when you're watching on TV or you're watching at a game, whether or not you're starting at the 25 or starting at the 37, but it is. It's significant because even if you just go three and out, you're putting in. You have a chance to put them inside the 20 as opposed to putting them outside the 20. Um, that was explained several times by Pam or Drew, just kind of chit chatting, just. All the different things that they can do, and you you're comfortable doing on a, on a difference of a football field of ten to fifteen yards. And you heard him say that after the win on Sunday, he he brought up the fact that you know when you can win that part of the field and that position, you're starting out a little bit better. And it's just literally a, a return of ten, a return of twelve, a return of eight. So much better than Scott, as you remember, as you brought it up, it was either negative yards or nothing. So. Um, it does. It does absolutely help you. And um, it's interesting to see what kind of season he's going to have. Deontay Howard's continuing at, at receiver, but you definitely see what he can do in that special teams game. And, and look, it, it, it's, it's such a comfort knowing you got a punter 
you know, a guy that you have on your show often and Thomas Morse to win special teams player of the week. You got Will Lutz who he walks out there, you know, go get up and go get your beer. It, it's, it's good. You know, the, either the extra point is or the field goal is, I mean, that, that's a, it's a solid, solid thing to have. And again, Scott, one of the reasons you and I believe this is a Super Bowl caliber team. Gus Gangiel, Saints and Pelicans correspondent, no doubt. Uh, getting back to Emmanuel Sanders for a moment, um, he was he did not practice yesterday, but on the injury report, it was listed as not injury related. Well, I tell you what, I think uh, I think the the Saints fans are going to be waiting with bated breath to see today's report to see or 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 just go on Twitter whenever you know Nick Underhill and others are reporting you know who's out there today uh, because right. if Sanders isn't. And now you're going into your final practice of the week Saturday, and you're like, is he get is he there? What's happening? Because it's one thing if you don't have Michael Thomas, and and that hurts, right? I mean, he's he's one of the best, maybe the best receiver in the league. Vegas's secondary is suspect, so that's worth noting. You figure, okay, it, it's a loss, but but you know this is why this is a big reason you brought in Emmanuel Sanders, right? You actually have some some depth behind Thomas, depth behind Thomas, which you didn't have in the past. If both of those guys can't go, let's not try to sugarcoat it, Gus. That is that is a problem for the Saints. I don't care what anyone says. When Traquan Smith is your number one, with respect to Traquan, because I thought thought he had a good game uh, on Sunday. I thought he blocked extremely well, which is a uh, uh, you know if you don't block as a receiver for the Saints, you're not going to be on the team. Period. And uh, you know th- there was he was he was actually targeted on on a route there. Drew, uh, Drew Brees overthrew him, but he went to the sticks. It would have been a first down if he had caught it. My point is, if you're missing both of these guys, it's an obvious point. Everyone would agree. If you're a Saints fan and you're trying to say, I think it'll be okay, the the, the challenge to win Monday night becomes that much greater. If you're missing one of those guys, it's tough. If you're missing both, whew, I mean, you're going to have to get super creative and you're going to have to hope the defense and special teams plays as good or if not better than they did in the season opener last Sunday. Um. I'm shocked that that number is still six. I I don't know how it is. So what does Vegas know that I don't know? <laughs> if if um, I mean I I'm surprised it didn't move from how the the week opened without Michael Thomas. So I guess this, you know again though a lot of moved people to half a feel point. that yeah. strongly when the, when the okay, Thomas so news when the Thomas point, move came out it went from minus six and a half to minus six with, oh, okay. when the Thomas news right. came See, out. I I'd always seen it just at six. So. Yeah. I was like, okay, great. So, but that's my point, though. I mean, it that's still pretty, you know, remarkable, and especially, if, you know, Sanders. Again, it's not injury related, which I guess maybe hopefully will make you believe that it's for something else and that he can play. And if that's the case, then it's a little different. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got to imagine that line significantly shifts if those two can't play. Um, I do think, and look, you know, it was a point that I made earlier in the week. Scott, because I found it interesting. So many national people and local people looked at that game Sunday. I, I, you know, again, I get it. I was like just starting my, my stuff and I was tired, not feeling well, and I had a migraine. So maybe I saw the game differently. I was probably just happy to be able to look at the game, kind of squinted eyes because I wasn't feeling well. But um, I saw a good game. I mean, and what I mean by that is I saw two good teams playing their first game really badly. I think you saw their strengths. I think you saw the weakness of not having games uh, played or snaps, but you saw brief moments 
and I don't mean brief for like a play. I mean, you saw drives. I saw drives where Tampa went right down that field. I saw drives where the Saints offense, you know, looked pretty darn good. I, I saw drives where the Tampa Bay defense was kind of what I thought. I mean, a pair of really good linebackers in David and Devin White. You got a D line that can go get the quarterback. And their weakness had been the secondary. So if they had time, you saw the Saints be able to throw back there or something of that nature. I, I saw the Saints defense be what we thought we thought they could be maybe you know we saw depth we saw playmaking we saw pass rush we you know you and i've talked about hendrickson before i'm like this is this is nice like i'm i'm seeing what i thought i'd see and and you and i talked about this that it would be a worse loss for the saints on 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 friday of last week than it would for tampa tampa's just getting to know one another they're gonna get better as the year goes along i think you could see that the miscommunication and things of that nature you didn't have turnover. You have all your players basically from last year. Like that should have been a Saints win, and they should have scored 40 points. You know, the recovery by Benny Fowler, that could have been a touchdown, probably should have been. Kamara gets it. I mean, that's 40 points. So, if, you know, for people to complain and say that it was a terrible game or, you know, national analysts to say it was sloppy or, or even Drew and – and Sean being unhappy, I will take them feeling that way when you could have scored 40 against a really good team. I, I, so I look at all of that and say, hey, um, the Saints are pretty good to equip and, and, and to handle things. You know, Michael Thomas only got three receptions for 17 yards, and I didn't feel like the Saints could win that game. They didn't have Mark, uh, Marcus Davenport. And I didn't feel like they couldn't get to Tom Brady. They didn't have Cesar Ruiz. And well, I mean, they they struggled on the offense. The, the old line, yeah, the old line was but, struggling. Yeah, <laughs> but at the same time, though, you know, you get, again, you did see drives where they figured it out and they got it. So, and that's the thing. I think that's the sign of, of, of two good teams, though, Scott. Right? It's like a good tennis match in the finals or a boxing match. I mean, when you have two heavyweights go at it. The, the the other's going to land a blow or two, right? It's how you counter. I mean, Brady throws a pick six, he comes right back and scores a touchdown. I mean, I'm watching the game last night, you know, with the Bengals and Browns, and Joe Burrow gets that strip from um, Miles Garrett, leads to Browns' touchdown. The next drive, Burrow goes right down the field and leaves a touchdown drive. I mean, that, you know, so, so it's like those are things that you look at and go, okay, that's the sign of, of a good team. That's the sign of a good player or, you know, or a good leader in, in Burrow. But it's the same thing like with the Saints and Bucks. You saw it go back and forth. You saw the Saints establish it, find a way to win, and then hold it. And, you know, that drive where Breeze hits Cook for 46 yards, and then he finds Sanders, and, and then you're, you're sitting there going, okay, look, that, that made it 31-17. To my point, Scott, I watched that game. I'm like, the Saints can win without Michael Thomas being their primary guy. And, and the Saints can move the ball. And they have different weapons. So now not having them, obviously, other teams are going to play you a certain way. Correct. Um, as it was, you saw yesterday um, or last week, and even Troy Aikman brought it up, teams are still not, per se, um, buying the Saints are going deep. So they're, they're going to play shallow. And I think that's going to be key for the Saints moving forward. You're going to have to push the ball downfield, but you need time to throw the ball down the field. It wasn't just a, a breeze arm strength thing. Yesterday, again, referring to the Browns-Bengals game, uh, you, you you heard the same comment from Aikman on, on how, you know, Burrow hadn't been able to throw a ball over 20 yards. He didn't have time. So you have a quarterback that has absolutely the arm 
and wants to do it, but he didn't have time. So it all comes down to a line. So I, I found that interesting and just a correlation. Same guy that called two games that we just saw in this week. And, you know, again, the quarterback has the same problem trying to push the ball down the field. One, people think it's the arm, and the other think it's, you know, he can do it. It's just you got to have time to do it. So that old line I think would be a big thing. If you can give time against that Raiders defensive line, Drew and the Saints offense, Scott, they are built on this, right? I mean, we – we go back to a couple of years ago against the Falcons in which Drew Brees threw, what, four or five touchdowns or something, and they were to all different people, and I think the record was they were all undrafted rookie free agents yeah. or something like that. So this offense is built on spreading the football. It's why Colston probably didn't get the recognition he should. It's probably why up until Michael Thomas, you never had a receiver in Saints history be on the Pro Bowl because – well, in the Peyton, Bre- the in the Peyton Breeze era, right? Yeah, yeah. Peyton Breeze, Peyton right. Breeze. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Gus Cagiel, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. I, I have some thoughts on Marcus Colson. We'll get to that a little later. Shout out to him on uh, an honor that's coming up for him. But, uh, but, but with all of that, Gus, I mean, what, what do you expect Monday night? Um, what, what, what's your keys to the game? And maybe you probably already given them in some of these um, explanations. But, but ultimately, I mean, the top key. Uh, and and what you expect Monday against the Raiders against Vegas, knowing that between now and then, you know whether Sanders plays or not, that that could certainly make a difference in your pick. Well, I'll say this: one of the three things that I took away from the win on Sunday, um, and I mentioned one already to you, you know, the, the Dennis Green. You know, they already thought they were. Um, I. I thought the Saints, who I, who I thought they were, they're a deep team, they're talented. The second thing I took away um, was the fact that they could, um, I, I like the way they ran the football and, and were used. That that was literally the, the second thing that, that stood out to me in that game is that Sean Payton was upset on the play calls and the type of plays, rather, or rather the play calls, rather the type of plays. He used the running backs 27 times, 15 and 12. Um, and even Latavius Murray said it afterwards. He doesn't know if he's going to get 15 in Camaro 12. But, Scott, if you remember at the end of last season going into this one, I said the one thing I think the Saints have got to do better if they want to go to that next level is they, I think they have to be a team that can um, run the football more effectively one way, shape, or form. And I think – Seeing that, that makes sense because Sean Payton was patient and stuck with a two-yard run, one-yard run, loss of two, gain of four, and he stayed with it. And I think it made all the difference in the world. And I think that moving forward will as well. So what am I expecting? I'm expecting, especially if um, even if Sanders plays or not, I think you're still going to see that, uh, establish that, especially I don't think it's any coincidence you heard Sean Payton yesterday sort of mentioned that you know one of the staples of John Gruden a very good friend of his a person that he mentioned yesterday uh learning from sitting in his you know his office was a couch in Gruden's office when he first started uh, on that same staff and, and he said look um he's going to be physical and he's going to have a physical presence with the football that's what they're going to do with Josh Jacobs um, and they have Henry Ruggs I know it's a player, Scott, that a lot of Saints fans wish the Saints could have drafted to, to push the ball down the field. Um, I, I think David Carr, I mean, I, I didn't get hurt a couple of years ago. I think he's the MVP. So um, it's about finding his confidence. It's going to be a good game, I think, for a bit. And I think it's, I, I think to me, it's, 
it almost feels like a Seahawks game um, in terms of like just go get that win because look, it's the first time you're on the road now that you have to go through it. Gruden talked about it earlier in the week that it's different. You, you land, you get on the bus, you go straight to hotel, and you're locked in. Um, Sean Payton slightly referenced it yesterday that essentially like you can't even go out in the lobby. Um, you know, I think his phrase was, "You can't go out there and throw die for four hours." Um, that you're you're locked down. The NFL rules, and, he, and, and as he put it, it's a hard bubble. So um, it's probably sort of like college football to or travel. Scott, my, my guess would be that you get to a team hotel, dinner is in one of the meeting rooms. You know, one of the, the ballrooms. The meetings are in some of the ballrooms, and then you go back to your room. So um, by his account that's all you do you, you don't even go hang out in the lobby or, or, or do things of that nature so um how the team handles that that first trip uh will be interesting but I, I i still think the saints are the better team and and john gruden touched on some of the issues that he was concerned at you know they're they're down to what their third uh, right tackle they lost their two right tackles in 10 plays even if one comes back um that's still gonna be a concern i thought teddy bridgewater Per Gruden and some of the stuff that I've seen had some success in being able to throw the football in that secondary, as you mentioned, Scott. So I still think since the Saints are predicated on spreading the ball around to other people, they may not know who their names are, but I think the Saints will find ways to do that. Maybe they go tight end heavy. I know they love Josh Hill. You know what Cook can sort of do. Um, and, and look, I, I don't know why, but Benny Fowler keeps popping in my head. Here's a guy, again, that it was a great story on how he even got on his team. And I know, you know, he's back on the practice squad. We'll see at the end of the week if he becomes, you know, player on tactics. The only thing that's keeping me to think that he could be a part of his game plan is they're not protecting anybody, right, Scott? So uh, you saw Chicolo get signed um, this week, and, and that's the problem. But Sean Payton talked about his strategy. He says if you protect somebody and you're telling the entire league that you really like somebody. So – He's kind of rolling the die by not telling you who he likes and putting him on that, on that part of the roster. So um, and it goes back to your initial question about or statement with Michael Thomas. Do you put him on IR or not? So um, it'll be interesting, man, to look at it. I still think the Saints win, though. Um, but I, six, you know, six could be a, a lot. But it, it may not, though. But I, I still think the Saints win. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Good stuff from Gus. Uh, lastly, Gus Marcus Colston um, is one of the headlines for the Louisiana Sports twenty twenty one Hall of Fame class. Um, you know, he nearly had ten thousand receiving yards in his career. He had seventy two receiving touchdowns. The seventy two from Breeze to Colston is the fifth most in NFL history. Um, and, you know, between a, a QB receiver combo. I mean, he just did just consistently uh, great for the Saints. Uh, in addition, you got uh, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, long overdue that he's in there. Um, Glenn Dorsey and uh, Pat Henry, Ricky Weeks, Courtney Blade-Rogers, Mackie Freeze, uh, Villas Bo Dowden. But, uh, but, but, you know, from a Saints standpoint, Colston is the guy for this uh, Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame class in 2021. What do you remember? I mean, you you um you you were sideline reporter. You've covered this team for a long time. Marcus is now you know thirty seven years old. He's um, going to be you know a professor at UNO doing stuff. He's uh, in the business world quite a bit. It seems like he's talked more after football than when he was playing. But uh, but if you go back to oh six and oh seven, 
I mean, he had 168 catches, which at that time was an NFL record for most by a player in his first two years in the league. Now that changed with uh, Odell and then, you know, and Jarvis Landry and then eventually Michael Thomas. But Colston, you know, certainly early in his career, right out the gate, just had such a big impact. Um, <laughs> excuse me. I think the, the two things that stand out is probably the, the initial story on Colston and how Sean Payton still uses it to this day. Um, in which he talked about, he described him as sort of like a, you know, a, what was it, like a brand new horse or, or giraffe or something, a brand new, he could barely stand on his legs in, in the rookie minicamp. And, and he didn't think he was going to make the team. Um, he just couldn't stay on his feet. And then by the time he got to training camp, he had gotten better. And then the rest of his history in that first year in 06. But, you know, Sean Payton to this day says that it serves as a lesson that you don't give up on a player immediately. That you have to, you know, see if you can either help them or wait to see if they can get it. Um, basically because of that. And I thought that was an interesting thing because that goes on to, I don't know, maybe give Sean Payton time to see who's this Pierre Thomas guy? Who's this Lance Moore guy? Who's this Deontay Harris guy? Almost 20 years later, you know, um, with that very same philosophy of, Let's let's grab this guy and let's see what happens if if I if I have a hunch or there's a chance that maybe they can be somebody. I mean, think of how many late draft picks, undrafted rookie free agents, the success has come. Well, it started in 06 and, and I mean again, I've always said he's the the picture you're gonna put up there, you know, in terms of somebody that can develop and do all those things the and the other uh, who wants it more is Pierre Thomas. But man, I so the Colston story of how he got here, I think, really stands out to me. I think the other thing, too, is just how consistent he was, man. And it's really a shame that he didn't get the national recognition. And I don't mean that in terms of, like, he probably wanted the notoriety. Not, not even that, just his, his credit. I, I'm not saying he was a Hall of Fame receiver, but at least a chance to go to Hawaii once, you know? Scott, and go get a trip that his family could have enjoyed or – when you get in those circles, man, other things happen, but obviously successful as it is right now, but it really is a shame that never happened because seeing him in person on the sideline, um, just, he was just perfect. I don't know how else to really say it. Um, took shots, was so big, and just had the trust. I mean, it, you always hear that quarterback receiver trust, and you always hear that unwritten language that, you know, Breeze always talks about that you just kind of know where that person goes, and he just, that was it. I mean, him and Breeze connected so many times. I mean, he, he was basically the Saints' Tony Gonzalez for a while um, in terms of, you know, being able to come up with first downs. Uh, when you needed a big catch, it was always going to be him. And look, man, I he was just he was awesome. And he really was that nickname, Quiet Storm. I mean, you, could, you never even heard him in the locker room, you know? I mean, <laughs> he was always so quiet, dude. And, uh and it's always professional. So one thing that I, I can remember closing my eyes and just thinking, um, I always had a smile and just was, I mean, it was crazy. You'd sit there and be like, that guy is the best, you know, play on this offense and receiver. And you just never thought that way. Great stuff. Uh, good description. And, um, you know, been, been trying to get Marcus on this show for a long time. Maybe, uh, maybe it'll finally happen with this, uh, 
this Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame thing, but he doesn't like to do stuff too often. He's talked a little bit more since he's retired than when he played, but uh, he, he kind of prefers to just be quiet. You know, he, he didn't like, uh, he didn't really like attention very much, and yet the, um, the, the, the irony was the fan base always wanted him to have more attention nationally because they felt like he was um, underappreciated uh, by the national media, and yet Marcus probably never really wanted that. Uh, good stuff. Gus Gattengale has been our guest, Saints and Pelicans correspondent for the Pro Nola segment. Uh, if you missed the beginning of the segment, Gus has been um, dealing with COVID-19, uh, tested positive last week, and I know it hadn't been easy at times, man. I know... Currently, you don't have taste and smell, uh, but uh, try to, I guess I would say, enjoy cauliflower and Brussels sprouts while you can. Uh, I know your wife's excited about making them. But no, man, seriously, uh, stay healthy. And, uh, you know, we're thinking about you and always appreciate you making the time, dude. Sounds good, man. Thank you so much. Do y'all have a good weekend and uh, do that, right? There you go, man. Appreciate it, Gus. Good stuff from our Saints and Pelicans correspondent.